So welcome to the Quality of Mind Transforming Business podcast. This is where we explore the new game-changing understanding that can unlock new levels of performance, resourcefulness, and well-being in the workplace. Join us if you want to be part of the new breed of leaders in business. Join us if you're fed up with the conventional echo chamber. And join us if you want to be part of the new revolution in understanding how the mind works and recognize that we are more than just our psychology and that that can lead to better results. Hello and welcome to the Quality of Mind Transforming Business podcast series. And today's episode, I've got a really rather special conversation lined up, one I've been sort of waiting to do for for a couple of years or maybe even more than that, because my guest is Mark Lund who has recently retired from his role in the business world, which I'll tell you all about. And I've had the privilege and pleasure with working with Mark over the last six years around quality of mind. And now we get a chance to do a podcast episode to find out what it was all like for him and his team. So Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you, Piers. Uh, Mark, could you give listeners just a couple of minutes overview of well, actually, might need more than two minutes because it's probably quite a rich career. But can you just give <laughs> well, a potted history of your life and uh, how you've got to this day so far? Yeah, of course. So, um, as as Piers said, my name is Mark Lund, um, and Lund sounds very sort of uh, Swedish, stroke Yorkshire, um, but uh, it hides the fact that um, although half of me is sort of Scandinavian, British, um, the other half is is sort of Czech, Italian. German, European. So I'm kind of a slightly more exotic uh, blend or mongrel um, underneath than I might look. Um, and that sort of, you know, that's kind of slightly shaped um, my, my experience. I've worked mostly in the UK, but also um, in, in France. And for the last few years of working with McCann, where Piers and I met, um, I was managing a European business as well as a UK business. Um, and, you know, my, my life has been, my professional life has been spent uh, in marketing and advertising. And I've worked for, you know, I've, I've worked for and set up and founded and run um, marketing services agencies of various sorts. I've also worked for uh, the British government running their central office information, which is the marketing and behavior change center for the government. Um, and, you know, my, my sort of, intellectual interest in marketing advertising has always been you know how you can understand people better and how you can work with them to you know to kind of promote the sort of the behaviors or the behavior changes that um, that seem best um, and that's you know that's been very fascinating both in commercial and in sort of societal change um, ways and I spent the last eight years of of that of that career um, running the McCann World Group uh, business in the UK and then in Europe, um, which is the biggest sort of marketing services group in 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 the region, um, and that was you know fascinating challenge, and that was where Piers and I started to work together. Well, Mark, you, you've had an, an illustrious career, I think. You're very modest, um, and listeners, we could probably talk about lots of things to Mark, but of course. As is the want of quality of mind, we want to dive into the mind and and what that's all about. Now, 
Mark, can you cast your mind back to when you first came across, <laughs> I think it was probably six years ago, um, this notion of quality of mind? And, and can you remember what it was that got you first interested in it and why you decided to embark on a program with your uh, then senior leadership team? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the, the, the business um, challenge that I had um, when I joined in, in 2014 was pretty simple. We had about 10 different companies um, in the UK, all of which were pretty good individually. Um, and which, if you added them up together, made this, you know, this really quite large two, two thousand, two and a half thousand people business. But they saw themselves very much as 10 individual companies. And the sort of the the challenge for me as the head of McCann World Group, which is all the companies, was to try and bring them together so that the sort of sum of the parts added up to more than the individual totals. Um and, and that was very difficult because there were a whole series of historic and kind of craft differences between them and, you know, long, long memories of sort of slights and injustices and, you know, sort of sense of inferiority, superiority, all of which made the collaboration process much more difficult. Um, and, and what, what I was looking for was a transformative um, experience that we could go through together um, and, you know, and, and sort of hopefully start to see that the collective was more powerful than the individual. Um, and, and we had a very brilliant um, head of learning and development at the time who had worked, I think, with one of Piers's colleagues um, in the past. And she recommended this process to me as a way of, you know, of, of starting to bond this team. And I'd been there for about a year, you know, and had started the process in my own kind of slightly amateurish way, but we weren't making that much progress. So we needed something that was a breakthrough. And that was how we found ourselves at the very beginning of 2016 in a sort of, um, you know, the classic empty conference room with a, a circle of chairs, um, confronting three days um, of, of quality of mind. Um, and I'd sort of, I'd, I'd sold this to my, you know, kind of slightly cynical management or what I saw as slightly cynical management as, you know, this is a way of us making better decisions together and better decisions individually and running our businesses better. And we did it right at the very beginning of the year so that it was three days, but, you know, but in the, on the 4th, 5th and 6th of January, nothing is happening, you know, so, so there's, there's sort of a, a way of getting people out of the business for that length of time. Um, and, and so that was, that was how we found ourselves, you know, sort of working with peers for the first time um, and, and embarking on what was really a, quite a big leap into the unknown, because what I subsequently realized was that I kind of utterly believed in um, Eva, who was our head of L&D, and I'd been very impressed by peers in terms of talking to him about the process before. But if you'd really pinned me down and said, what are you actually going to do? other than it being about quality of mind, I'd have been completely um, lost because I actually didn't know. It's funny that because often, actually the more people want to know beforehand, the, the more that's unhelpful. I think there was something that you obviously resonated with about what we talked about and you didn't need to know the literal mechanics of how we were gonna do it. You just got a sense and you went with what some people might even call your intuition. 
that it was the right thing to do. So if we now nip to the benefits, mm. and that was the start of quite a lot of work we did together, but what would you say now? How do you articulate the shift that it was able to create for, uh, let's start with the team and then we'll come to you as an individual mm. later. Yeah, that that is is sort of, is, you know, now looks, looks simple and, and kind of very, you know, very defined. Um, because obviously the thing that, that got me sort of interested in it in the first place was this sense of quality of mind, because in a creative service business, you know, that the, the ability to bring better quality of mind to a whole series of, you know, moments and events is absolutely crucial. You know, how to analyze, analyzing a problem, um, sort of effectively reading a room and, you know, and, and sort of, uh, you know, the emotions of, of someone you're talking to knowing whether an idea, strategic or creative is, you know, is a good one. Um, all of those are incredibly intuitive things. You know, they, they actually don't benefit from overthinking. Um, and they also benefit from being done in the moment in a flow. And, and so that sense of, you know, if we could improve our quality of mind, it would obviously make us better individual business people. But I also had this sense that if we could improve our quality of mind, we'd start to see the benefit of each other more and therefore start to bring down some of the silos and walls that were between the individual businesses. And that would kind of create this, this sort of more powerful collective. And I think, you know, if you look back on it now, um, nearly seven years, in fact, after, you know, after we first started working together, the business has not only grown um, significantly, I mean, the UK business is probably 50% bigger than it was then in 2016 and, and much more, you know, much more effective, much more productive, much more profitable. Um, but the, the sense that the people have of being part of this overall identity of world group, as opposed to simply a McCann office here or an MRM office there, you know, is palpable. And that was the thing that, that I thought could transform us. And that I think is the thing that has transformed us and the, the prototype that the model that that's that's been developed developed in the uk you know is is now seen as a as a very effective one all around the mccann world um so you know so it, it's 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 actually you know, to be fair it succeeded far far better than i could possibly you know as we sat in that circle back in january in 2016 possibly have imagined and um you know i think we owe quality of mind and peers a lot for that well, that, that's, that's wonderful to hear. So, so just moving now from the organizational benefits to you as an individual, because I always say that benefit is individual as well as collective. What have you noticed in your life, home, work, that Quality of Mind enabled you to, to realize? Yeah, I think it's, it's, a, it's two or three sort of really significant things. Um, the first is that, uh, you know, in effect, we make the world as opposed to the world making us, you know, once, once you start seeing yourself as a projector, as opposed to a camera, the sense that, um, you know, you can't, you can't always affect events, um, but you can absolutely affect your, your response to those events and the meaning you put upon those events. And that ultimately gives the individual a huge amount of power because you're not shaped by what is happening. You're shaped by how you 
react to and interpret what's happening. And that, you know, that suddenly frees, frees, frees you up from, from kind of the tyranny of cause and effect. Um, so that's the first massive thing. Um, the second thing I think is this sense of the universal mind and the, the sort of the benevolent intelligence that sort of fills the universe and, and the metaphor of having an aperture, um, which is either more open or more closed to, you know, to that kind of benevolent universal intelligence is very helpful because the tendency always when things are difficult, you're under pressure of any sort is to kind of, you know, is to literally tense up, close up, um, and, and, you know, and, and shut the world out and try and solve it by yourself. And for me, you know, as, as an individual who's always been comparatively self-reliant that, you know, that is, that is kind of absolutely hardwired. So the idea that you could treat yourself not as a highly, um, memoried and sort of reasoned up laptop, but as a more of a dumb terminal, which kind of lets the universal intelligence and, and benevolence in was fantastically helpful for me. Cause again, it let me, it allowed me to let go of, you know, that, that sort of pressure to be the person who made all the decisions and to go with the flow more and to allow things to happen more. Um, and that in turn made life not only more enjoyable, but also made a lot of the decisions I made probably better than they would have been, um, otherwise. And then the third big thing for me is, you know, about thought and how we attach, you know, meaning to two things. Um, you know, and again, if you're a sort of thoughtful, um, intelligent person, you tend to, I mean, and I do this, I tend to overthink everything and I tend to kind of attach way too much meaning as to why something happened and why didn't I do that? And that becomes very destructive and the sense of being able to observe something and not attach meaning to it, you know, not therefore be kind of um, tyrannized by it as, you know, a, a sort of a, an underlier or, or kind of, um, prover of existing patterns of some sort is, you know, is again, is very, very helpful. Um, because it stops, it stops me from being distracted and it allows me to stay in the moment much more rather than being dragged into recrimination or regret or, you know, any of those other sort of slightly, um, kind of corrosive emotions. Um, so, so there are lots of other things, um, but as an individual, those are the three big things that, that I've kind of taken out of it. I mean, there's, there's a huge amount in what, what you said that I could unpick there, Mark. And has anything over the sort of five, six years that you've looked at this, Mark, for you individually, has anything sort of surprised you in what you've started seeing, noticing about yourself or the world, which you might sort of then trace back to your new worldview? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think one of the sort of the most, um, powerful and, and interesting things, which, which I see is the, the, the sort of sense of not needing to try and anticipate and sort of almost pre influence events in quite the way that I did. Yeah. We, and obviously if you're kind of trying to, to sort of shape the world almost in advance as you go, it's very hard work. And that, you know, that, that generally t tends to come because you're seeing 
the world very mechanistically and you're seeing it very much from your own point of view. Once you have a, a greater sense of, you know, that A, the sort of the sense of, of, of the universal intelligence and B, the idea that what's happening is, is kind of as much what you're making it as opposed to what is actually happening, you know, then, then you're able to react much more relaxedly in the moment to events and and that makes that is both most mo, more effective but it's also much more it's much less tiring um and you know and the number of conversations that i've had in the last few years where previously i would have started to panic very early on about where is this conversation going you know oh i've got to head this off you know is this going to be a disaster and i've kind of let it un, unfold and develop and in the moment allowed my quality of mind to stay high and my aperture to remain open and then found a way of of changing the course of the conversation in a way that 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 felt productive and good that's you know that's been very effective and, and what i realize is that you know my sense of in, in, imminent catastrophe or disaster in that conversation before was as much to do with my own fear as opposed to any intention or you know or, or, or malevolence from the other person and and by not going that way, you know, the conversation never gets into a difficult place in the first place and resolves itself very happily. So that sense of being in the moment and allowing things to happen uh, is very, you know, for me, it's been very powerful. And for me, it's taken a lot of the sort of stress out of, you know, out of out of sort of the more difficult negotiations and and kind of confrontations that that any business, any life involves. I think you just nicely described what some people might describe as flow state, which is often yeah. talked about in music or dance or art or sport, but rarely in business. Well, it's starting to be talked about in business, but I think what's wonderful is it's it's not a state that's all useless and ineffective and unpleasant, but not getting anywhere. It actually, I think, does two things. It helps with it's less tiring, so there's less burnout coming, uh, and you actually get to a sense of where you get to do more with less mm. because the periphery just dissolves down and you become quite focused even though it's flow it's quite focused and 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 that's all about well-being and productivity yeah that sort of flow state which which you know athletes talk about um is i think is is absolutely as true for a presentation or a conversation um you know, or, or a thought process that you're engaged in with other people, as it is for you know skiing down a mountain or driving a a lap of a Formula One circuit, um, and quite aside from the the sort of effectiveness or productivity of it, there's also you know that sense of joy and and kind of almost grace that you get when you do move into it. And it it sounds sort of slightly pathetic to say, well, you know, you can get into flow while having a conversation about um about marketing but you can you know and 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 it's as it's as it's as glorious when you do um as if your friends clamor you know sort of doing the uh, the kits bill um so so yeah so i think that you know that that is a is a, it's a sign you know it's a, it's a massively important um extra benefit yeah so you're almost getting more juice out of each moment so you don't have to get bigger moments you you actually you get more satisfaction more presence more fulfillment inspiration from whatever you're doing 
whether it's mm. a, a very fascinating thing or not and having a cup of tea or just chatting to some friends about its marketing so I, th- I think that's about the richness of life that's available that we don't always see because we're slightly numb to it and it sort of wakes that up and I think that those things are useful for any human being um, but particularly for leaders and, and I remember us having a conversation at the beginning of the pandemic and 2020 and just being totally uh, in awe of of your mindset about the pandemic which was incredibly opened aperture uh, even though clients were panicking you were potentially losing business and everything was just shut down and you had the most beautiful outlook on it which you know is, is not one you could artificially create I really felt that that's what you saw in that moment that you were like well we are where we are and we'll we'll do what we need to do. And, and this could actually be a, a, a good thing for us. And it was just the most amazing conversation. I don't know if you remember it, but I thought, yeah, yeah. That, that's really quality of mind in action. Yeah. And I think that is very interesting because, um, you know, the sort of, if I compare the way that I felt about Brexit versus the pandemic, I was much more kind of worried cast down you know affected by by the sort of the brexit decision which i regarded as being and still do as being kind of you know not a great decision um but if i find it much harder to see the possibility in that whereas by the time you know four or five years later by the time we got to the pandemic it was possible i found it possible to see much more potential for if this is going to happen how do we how do we live with it how do we you know how do we kind of almost turn it to our advantage um, rather than rather than sort of just simply be oppressed by the fact that it's there and the, you know and and the sort of undeniable anxiety and misery and and sort of um fear that it created yeah and that's actually a nice comparison sort of pre-quality of mind post-quality of mind if you if you, if you want to sort of diagnose the difference so and this might be a, a tricky question but just answer whatever comes to you so what would you say Compared to most of the other interventions that are on offer out there in the world of personal professional development, what would you say is the difference about quality of mind and its before psychology approach? I think, I mean, I think the sort of the big, the big difference is that, you know, quality of mind, the potential is so big, um, but it's also, you know, it's not like a craft, a craft training course or, you know, or a kind of very specific um, behavioral sort of technique, um, you know, kind of, uh, training it's, it, it is, it is about seeing the world in a different way and seeing, and seeing, you know, how you act in it in a different way. And, and therefore the massive, the massive benefit of that is that if, if you do it, if you commit to it and, and it works for, for a, an individual or a group. And generally it tends to, you know, it tends to work in my experience for the great majority of a group. And, and when it works for an individual, it works very powerfully indeed, then it becomes not simply something that you do for three, four days and you get a benefit from for the next sort of few months. And then it, there's a half life that decays quite fast. Yeah. It, it becomes an organic thing that, that becomes a part of the the experience of all those individuals, but it also becomes a part of the discourse that they have between them and, you know, the, the thing that they share in common. And it, it becomes a self-perpetuating thing. And for the people who have been 
in you know in that leadership group who've been most affected by it it's been a kind of continual growth as opposed to something which you know had an effect and then was kind of gently forgotten um you know it it will be with them it'll certainly be with me for hopefully as long as um, as long as I'm around and I think for some of those others in that group it will be as well and do you see that as any areas of business or 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 I guess life in general that it isn't relevant for no I mean I think you know because the the sort of the rationale is that because it's about how the individual you know sees themselves and sees themselves in the world and how they see the people around them um, and how they interact you know any form of of business that that involves you know sort of decision making that's affected by quality of mind is 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 relevant but crucially any form of business that involves those things in a collaborative or shared context is you know is particularly um relevant and that's you know that's why i was attracted to it in the first place more i think it did have such a sort of um considerable power for us because we are you know a collaborative creative business that thrives off better interaction better sharing of ideas better sharing of trust between people and and if that you know any business and most businesses frankly are 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 in that area to a certain extent now you know i think those businesses are particularly relevant for it and what about areas like people's well-being psychological safety um so some of the sort of nowadays people are more organizations are more i think a lot of them genuinely interested in the whole person approach rather than just hard-nosed business results which which you proved it, it brings but what, what about for mental health psychological safety that those things well-being how would you say it helps that well i think i think it does you know in in the way that we we've, we've sort of already talked about in terms of the the sense that it gives people gives you know it certainly has given me that it, you're much more in control of your world is a massive empowerment and that you know so particularly under, under in times of stress um and and sort of fear that's that's very that's very very useful but also this sense that you know you're not alone that there is a sort of not only a universal intelligence but also you know, on a micro scale you can if you open yourself up more to the people around you you know you you'll, you'll channel their sort of goodwill and intelligence and sort of talent as well um that i think is 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 hugely beneficial on a sort of that's that that applies to families um friendship groups you know as as well as businesses um and a sense you know a sense of not not needing to analyze everything you know to we we live in a very information rich and deductive sort of sort of society and 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 if you 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 allow yourself to be more intuitive and more impressionistic um in the way that you react and 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 take decisions that can be fantastically liberating as well again in personal relationships as well as as professional ones yeah and i think where organizations now are looking more at the whole person and and genuinely so it it what i love about quality of mind is it bridges both it's a gift to the individual for their their parenting their relationships their attitude to the world in general but of course then it has beautiful business benefits as well so you know no and i think look that that's you know that's the the way that 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 we looked at it um 
in terms of justifying it originally was to say, you know, it's really hard for us as a, you know, as a, as a business, even a good business to say, we're going to hire, you know, people who are significantly better than any of our employees. And it's very hard to give them knowledge that is superior to any of our competitors. So we've got to focus on how they are in themselves at, at any given moment. And that, you know, that we didn't think of it then, I think, as a whole person approach, because that phrase was probably not sort of in, in sort of currency, but, but actually it was a whole person approach. You know, generally, people who are feeling safe, people who are feeling confident, people who are feeling loved have better ideas and interact better with the people around them than people who are feeling insecure, unsafe, you know, and kind of not appreciated. So it's, you know, I, I think it's, it's the, the, the two things are incredibly closely interwoven because business in almost every sense now is a highly people orientated activity and therefore people who are feeling better about themselves in the world are better at it. So in a marketplace like Marcoms, which is uh, quite competitive for talent uh, and clients, <laughs> um, what role would you see in quality of mind in helping you both with talent uh, acquisition, talent retention, uh, and even maybe maybe clients as well? Yeah, I mean, I think that without, you know, without creating um, a kind of sense that if you, you know, if you come to, to McCann say, you know, you're joining a cult, the fact is that, that if, you're, if you're coming to work with a group of people who clearly enjoy working with each other and an elite, in the, in the good sense, highly productive, highly kind of effective team, that I think is, is, is massively um, seductive to, to talent, both as, as an acquisition thing, but also as, um, as, as a kind of retention mechanism. And, you know, and the fact is that, that it used to be possible, I think, to sort of say, well, you know, unashamedly, we're going to run quite a brutal sweatshop, but you will produce some good work. And I think the sense in the, la you know, the last half decade is that that's a very hard thing to, to run for a long time. You know, you can maybe do a couple of years of that, but it takes its toll. And if you want to kind of create more corporate sort of continuity and a better sort of sense of, of, of kind of esprit de corps over a long period of time, you have to find a way of, of being, you know, elite and effective, productive, which is not so, so bruising to the people engaged in it. And I think the quality of mind approach is, is a much lighter touch. It's a much more natural way of doing that than, you know, than simply relying on willpower alone. Great. So let's, let, if we change tack slightly and, and now attract the listener who might be thinking, okay, well, this all sounds very good, almost too good to be true. That little bit of that slight skepticism coming in. Um, how, how would you answer the question? Well, why haven't, why isn't everyone doing this? Why haven't I heard of this before? Why is this not the norm? Now put the Marcom's limitation of quality of mind aside yeah. for the moment. Um, <laughs> but, but, but why leaders might be thinking, well, this is so great. Well, why is it not norm? Well, I think, you know, if, if, you, if I think about myself, it took me, I would say, 15 years to get to the, the point of individual confidence or don't care, 
you know, to to sort of to to take this risk because, you know, I've I've been thinking about things like this for a long time, um, but hadn't had the sort of hadn't had the courage simply or the belief to you know to kind of say to a leadership group around me. I really think we should, you know, I feel we should do this. And, you know, and, and I think it's going to be very effective. And it took until, you know, the sort of the last 10 years of my career to get to the point where I had enough belief to overcome that sort of innate skepticism or, you know, fear of, of, of looking like a sort of, um, you know, a, a drifting hippie in terms of, 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 of introducing something which didn't have a kind of immediate mechanical sort of effect. Um, so I think, I think, you know, taking the risk, which in this case was enormously productive. I wish I'd taken it 10 years earlier rather than, um, you know, I'm very glad I took it now, but I'm, I'm very, I wish I'd done it 10 years earlier because it would have been, you know, made for a much more effective previous decade. Um, and I think, you know, the sort of the, the, we work in a very, um, you know, we, 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 we live in a very scientific and mechanistic um way of thinking about the world and it's fundamentally you know our, our kind of understanding of business is fundamentally based on on technique um you know better technique equals better results and and the idea that you can do something so basic as to change you know the way that you you feel about the world and the way you think and the way you you make decisions at a kind of pre you know precognitive level almost is you know is is a tough one to grasp the fact is that that's why it's so powerful because it it, it at a level which is which is way deeper than most of those technique things but because we think about the world in that way, way it's difficult to kind of escape from that when you're contemplating spending you know sort of precious time and precious money with people whose opinions you care about as a leader um to do that but but all i can say is that we're in a period of where risks are becoming i think more essential taking risks is is not really a luxury anymore i think taking productive calculated thoughtful risks is necessary to make businesses and make individuals better and more productive and and this is a very good risk in my view uh, and we often get, I think you might have even told me this six years ago when I suggest it's three days, you're like, oh, does it need to be three days? Can we not do it in a day and a half? Skim out the stuff that's not important. Yeah. <laughs> and so I always ask people, does it need three days? And what would your view be? Yeah, the fact is that that it it absolutely does need three days. I mean, certainly, I think, you know, over the years that we've worked together, we've done sessions which are a little bit shorter um as you know as as the groups sort of become more attuned to the process but i don't think we've ever done anything much shorter than two days and i think you know you need well two things really you need the sense of leaving the the sort of the mundane the everyday the business as usual behind for long enough to open your mind up to the possibility of of new things but but crucially in order for people to go through a transformation that may involve an initial period of confusion, skepticism, rejection, but then acceptance 
you need enough time to work through those processes. And, you know, I remember very clearly at the end of day one in our first session, you know, thinking, my God, no, no one has a clue what we're doing. I'm not sure if I've got a clue what we're doing. I'm not sure if this is going to work. And then on day two, the magic started to happen. And by the end of day two, I think, you know, the, the believers were, and the people, the sense of the people who were sensing that things were being transformed were massively outnumbering the others. And on day three, we had an incredibly productive look at our future armed with that new understanding. So yeah, so you have probably, I don't know, 200, 220 working days in a year, you know, so, so three is kind of one and a half percent of them. And frankly, you know, if you can give up one and a half percent to get an extra 15, that's pretty good. Yeah. And I think, and that's, I always say it's about the value proposition and, and you, mm. you said very nicely earlier that this will be with you till the rest of your years. So mm. actually you need to d depreciate that three days over <laughs> the rest yeah. of your life, which for some yeah. people would be 70 years and some people might, might be 20 or 30. So, so really, um, I understand the reluctance businesses have for three days when they think the benefit might be small. Um, yeah. And I think, but I think the other way of the other way of putting it to businesses is that, you know, if you're doing this collectively and clearly it needs to be done collectively, then the other power of the three days is simply the shared experience. You know, it's, it's, it's sort of, that sense of being together and, and just seeing the quality of what you're doing in the training. So when you've got, you know, a transformative process and that length of time, it's incredibly effective. So if you were giving other leaders in the business world, some advice, which you might formally be doing now in a role, I don't know what, what would, where would quality of mind or, or the direction it points to be featuring in in, in that advice? Well, I think if you're prepared to, to take the leap, then potentially quality of mind underlies, um, all the other good things that you can do because unquestionably it, it makes individuals more effective, but it also creates this much greater sense of, it opens people up to the power of a collective. And, and, it, and, it, and it also gives them something very strong and positive to share. So I think that any business that I was working with in future, I would always, you know, I would always bring it up. I would always kind of say, this is a very interesting thing to consider that I've found enormously effective. Um, you know, ultimately people have to, you can't, you know, as, as you know, Piers very well, you can't sort of drag people kicking and screaming into it. They have to be open enough to, to make the, to make the decision to want to do it. But, you know, I, I think it's, um, it's, it's, it's an enormously powerful tool for life as well as for business. And, and why do you think people are, and, and I do believe it's quite innocent, resistant to it when, when, when they first maybe come across it. Well, what is it about our society, our conditioning, our programming? So what is it about that resistance that you see now? I think, I mean, I think it's, if you're, if you're kind of in, in, in sort of any form of, you know, middle age or anything, probably anything beyond, you know, sort of 25 or 30, then you own quite a lot of the past in terms of the way the world is, the way you are, the way things work. And, and even if you're sort of, 
not conscious of that, you start to become a defender of the way things have been and the way you've done things. And so the idea of saying, well, there's something transformative that actually replaces some of those ways of feeling and thinking about the world and being in the world is quite threatening because there's a sense of, but you know, I've, I've done okay in this way. And, and if I, if I take this on, then in some way I'm undermining myself. So I think, you know, I think you have to, you have to be sufficiently motivated to kind of, you either have to be sufficiently confident or sufficiently sort of, uh, hungry to, you know, to kind of want to question things and, and all societies, I think are, are, are predisposed to not to question things too much simply because, you know, it, it's, it's, it becomes uncomfortable. Um, but this is one of those occasions when I think it's, it's, it's really worth it. And I think, you know, I always often describe there needs to be an intellectual humility, uh, Absolutely. Yeah. You've, you've got to, you've got to be able to, you've got to believe that the way things are is not the best way. You know, it's not the perfect way and, and things are susceptible of, of improvement. And, and then I think that's a very, you know, I think your, your phrase intellectual humility is, is very good because if you say, I know what I know, but that's not necessarily the only thing that there is to know, then it becomes possible. Yes. And what is wonderful and what I love about, about the job is taking someone who is quite closed and, and watching the melting happening, which can happen quite quickly, as you say, maybe from day one to day three on a workshop, because one has the capacity to see what we're pointing to, even if they are quite thick with thought, mm. that can dissolve. So it's not like, oh, they're never going to get it. And And I've been beautifully surprised sometimes by the people who have woken up. Um, and that's lovely to see. So, so there is hope um, for for all of us and and society. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No. no I mean, and it's one of those things where, you know, if you start thinking about it on a a society wide level, then then it becomes extraordinarily powerful. We've sort of, I've viewed it as a sort of individual and kind of business kind of you know kind of advantage, um, but. But if you thought about it being taken up in a mass way, then, then it becomes, you know, enormously transformative on a, on a global level. Um, it needs a critical mass of people saying, this is a, this is something you've really got to look at, think about and experience in order for that to, to start happening. And, and I think you're right. There's almost a piece before the intellectual humility, which is sort of a cousin to it, where you have to want to be interested to start with. So I think life is so busy for many people. They have a hundred emails coming in an hour and, and to spend two minutes, five minutes looking at a video on, on this kind of stuff. They're just like, well, I haven't got time to do that. Um, yeah. cause, cause that video is probably not going to change my life. So why would I watch it? Um, so it is, there's the, there's the actual, the slowing downness of, to have the intellectual humility. And I think a lot of people are just, you know, that they can get intrigued for a bit, but that intrigue doesn't last. It, it, it they don't get sticky intrigue that they, they just kind of get, oh yeah, maybe now I'll put, I'll put that in the maybe pile kind of thing. Mm. Mm. Yeah. No. And, and look, there's a sort of, um, a sense of, of kind of self-worth in, but my schedule, it's so full, you know, and, and, and that, that, that sort of tends to discourage people also from, from kind of taking a moment out to look into the unknown, you know, so, cause it, 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 it's kind of, it's both 
it's both sort of fearful because it's not the familiar, but it's also, you know, it's also fearful because, well, supposing I did do this, what would I be giving up of what I already am? You know, there's, so there's, there's sort of, I think, you know, that, that we shouldn't underestimate the, the, the degree of, of kind of loss aversion that people have, however misplaced it is. And, and that's, you know, that, that's, you've got to get past that in order to try something new. Mark, we're probably sadly coming towards the end of our time. And I, I just really appreciate the richness of this conversation and we could carry on forever, but it, to bring it to sort of an end, there's a, a couple of questions. One is I, I always ask people if there were three words or short phrases you would use to encapsulate quality of mind, what would those three words be? And then the other question is, what are your final thoughts on telling other people in the business world about the value and relevance of this? So anything to sort of encapsulate it and even, even into a soundbite, um, what would that be? Yeah, I think the sort of the words that the ones that we've we've probably already used that, but that sense of being open to open to the world, but also feeling that you make the world as opposed to the world making you is you know I think is is are the two sort of big empowering forces you can make what today is you know as opposed to today making you and that because it's it's ultimately. It's all in, you know, it is all in creation. Um, and that I think is, is, is hugely sort of powerful for me. And, and this sense of, of being in the moment without fear about what's going to happen or any emotions about what has happened is, is another sort of, you know, big thing that I try and sort of hold on to. Um, because I think it, again, it's so, it's so valuable. Um, and I think telling other people in business about it, you know, the sort of it's the, you know, we're in a world of incredible competition of enormous information kind of, um, overload and, you know, and getting better information and getting better resources is incredibly difficult. But if we can get, you know, 15 or 20% more out of the people we work with, if we can make them feel 15 or 20% more engaged about being where they are doing what they're doing with the people they're doing it with, then, you know, that, and I've seen it, you know, that transforms businesses that transforms the way companies work and the way they produce results. And, and the quality of mind has the sort of key to making the people you're already working with so much more and therefore the organization so much more. And that's why it's, it's like the hydrofoil on the boat, you know, it creates this sort of extraordinary uplift in performance with, with comparatively little effort. Once you get, once you get past the point about believing the hydrofoil won't work, you know, if you can believe in hydrofoils, then, you know, then you can believe in quality of mind. Well, that's, that's a beautiful description to leave it. So I, I want to thank you again for your time because I know you have a busy and full day. So thank you so much for coming on, Mark. And I think this episode will be incredibly useful for people um, in, in the business world and not. So I, I want to thank you. It's, it's, and, and I also just to say, I've absolutely loved the last six years of working with you. I feel very grateful to do my job and you've been the most wonderful client. So, so thank you for that as well. No, well, look, it's 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 been a it's been a great um, a great partnership and one that I very much hope continues. Brilliant. Well, thank you, Mark. Thank you. So, listeners, have fun being curious, and catch you next time. 
If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and want to know more, check out our website at qualityofmind.biz and also feel free to reach out and leave us a review or a comment. Until next time, have fun being curious. Thank you.